Our scripture this morning comes from the, well, our starting point this morning. We're going to be doing a little bit of flipping. So if you want to keep your Bible open in your laps, that would be just fine. But our starting point this morning is the third commandment, which is found in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Father, we ask this morning that you would make your book live for us, and that you would, as we sang, show us Christ. As the pages of the scriptures come to life by the power of your Holy Spirit in the act of preaching, as you have ordained, let us behold marvelous things about Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, names are um, really important. Um, even in our context, in, in North America, names are important, and parents will often agonize over choosing a name for their child. Um, I know Laura and I did a, a lot of thinking, and uh, uh, she got the responsibility of naming our first child, and she is the one that chose Evelyn Grace. And then Jordan came along, and she said, all right, it's your turn. And I, I kind of was leaning towards Kelly, and I didn't end up naming her Kelly. I ended up choosing Jordan Elizabeth. And uh, one day, uh, when she was maybe four or five months old, uh, she wasn't really talking yet, so maybe even earlier than that, but uh, I just to give my wife a break, I was going to Walmart and... Rapid City, and so I took her with me, and something happened on that trip, and it was like a little switch got thrown in her brain, and I took her out of the car seat, and I, I put her in the, the cart, and she looked at me, and she just started going, blah, 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 and she was having, like, the whole trip to Walmart, she was just talking. Uh, she was very intent about what she was saying. Nobody knew what she was saying except her, but boy, she was expressive. And like people were looking at us in the aisles and laughing. And I mean, we were a spectacle in Walmart and Rapid City. And uh, when I got done with that trip, I said, well, I messed up. <clears throat> I should have named her Brooke. Babbling Brooke. In most cultures, a name is chosen carefully because it reveals the character of the person. And in many cultures, a child is given a name, say, when they're born. And then later on, as they mature and they come to a, a very often in most cultures, there's a ceremony that marks a transition from childhood to adulthood. And uh, very often, new names are given in that ceremony. And those names are designed to reflect what the elder or the person who is seeking to know and understand that person's character deeply, uh, they're, they're looking to, um, to give them a name that fits who they are and that reveals who they are. And so even today in North America, our names have a meaning. Uh, for instance, the name Cameron, for whatever reason, means crooked nose. The name Pamela means all honey. The name George means farmer. The name Matilda 
means mighty battle made. Uh, my name, Brian, is a Celtic name. It's a Gaelic name. It means strong. I'm not sure if that was my breath or uh, my will, but um, my wife's name, Lara, means the, the leaves on a laurel tree. Richard means one who is a stern ruler. Frida is German for peace. Uh, Nelly is German for pity. Kelly means warrior. And in the Bible, we find that names are incredibly important as well, and often characters in the Bible are renamed. But the most important name in the Bible is God's name. And God has a what I, we, we might call his default name, and then he has many other names that the scriptures give to him. And all of those are incredibly important. And we find God revealing his, what we might call his default name or his core name in Exodus chapter 3 and in verse 13. Moses is in, he's running around in the wilderness of Midian, rather, chasing his father-in-law's sheep, which was a severe downgrade in life for him. And then in Exodus chapter 3, he sees something weird. He sees a burning bush, and then a voice comes out of that bush. In Exodus 3.13, then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And there are actually a number of ways to translate that. And he said, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to this people the Lord of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Later on in Exodus chapter 33, we're given a little bit of important commentary on that. In Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18, Moses said to God, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. And then there's that wonderful scene that comes in just a few verses where the Lord passes before him and he says his name. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. What are God's 
names? Well, the first one that, that, uh, that he gave to Moses there at the burning bush, if you knew Hebrew, you could read it in the Hebrew, though if you learned Hebrew as a Jewish person, you would not be permitted to speak it. I was actually taught when I, when I see that in Hebrew, not to say, not to pronounce it, but to say Adonai in Hebrew. It's uh, Yahweh. That's the revealed name of the Lord. And in some of your older Bibles, uh, they translate it as Jehovah. And that's simply a question of how to pronounce the consonants with no vowels there. But Yahweh and Jehovah are fundamentally the same word. It is often translated as the Lord in all capital letters in your Bibles uh, in English. So when you see the Lord all in capitals, that's Yahweh. It's a form of the Hebrew word to be. And Hebrew doesn't actually technically have a verb to be. The word, though, is hayah. And by giving himself that name, God is describing himself to us. And he is saying, first of all, I am eternal. What he's saying is, I am that I am. I will be what I will be. He is eternal. There has never been a time where there wasn't a God. He is self-sustaining and self-existent. Everything else that exists besides God is dependent on something else to exist. For instance, if the sun suddenly went dark, all the earth would shrivel up and die. All life on earth would die because the earth is dependent in all of its natural beauty on the light from the sun. Well, who is it that sustains the sun? Well, it's Yahweh. Everything ultimately is dependent on this God. And we are told in our New Testaments in Colossians chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 1 that Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, in particular, is the one who sustains all things by the word of his power. And what that means is he is constantly pouring into everything that exists that energy which is necessary for it to continue to exist. And he doesn't do this as some blanket principle, but each thing in particular in its own self is the object of his particular and careful attention. All the way down to the molecules of water that are flowing down the Mahoning River as we speak. He is eternal. He is self-sustaining. He is self-existent. Nobody made God. He is self-determining. He does what he wants to do. Whatever he wants to do, he can do, and he will do. That is what it means to be sovereign. He himself is ultimate reality. He is the one who is the foundation of all reality. He depends on no one, and he depends on nothing. And all of that is bound up in that name, Yahweh. You know, it's interesting that some scholars have posited that uh, when you look, for instance, in the Psalms, it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And I, I mentioned this a few years ago in a sermon, but some people think that Yahweh is itself um, sort of uh, that our breath was patterned after that. Yahweh. 
talk about every bird, every cow, every fish. But every act of every breath is the name of Almighty God on its lips. That name was so important and so important to the Jews that it was not pronounced or spoken except by one person on one day of the year, and that was the high priest on Yom Kippur. You see, the name of God is precious because it reveals his character. This is also why in John chapter 8 and verse 58, when Jesus says, I assure you, says this to the Pharisees, I assure you, before Abraham was, I am. And the people immediately said, that, that's the name of God. That's, that's not right. And it made the Pharisees so enraged that they picked up stones and would have killed him right there if Jesus had not somehow hidden himself and passed through the midst of them. But that's not the only name that we find for the living God in the Bible. The Bible, in particular the Old Testament, has many names for God, over 300 names for God. Let's just talk about a, a few of them. The first one is Elohim, which is actually the plural of Elohe, which means God. And God is so big, he gets the plural. So he's Elohim. Whenever you see I am in Hebrew, that means there's more than one. And yet he also says, I am Elohim, the one true God. He's the one who creates. That's what Elohim means, creator. He's the one who puts the planets in their place. Is God... Elohim for you, your creator, upon whom you are dependent? If not, you break the third commandment when you take his name on your lips. He is El Elyon, God Most High. It says in, in, Gen in Genesis that it introduces us to a guy named Melchizedek, and it says he was priest of El Elyon. He was priest of God Most High. Nothing's higher than him. Is that how it is in your life? There's nothing more important in your life than God. If not, you break the third commandment when you take his name upon your lips. He was Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Yireh, the provider. He said uh, his name is put on the lips of Abraham when Abraham is taking Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice him. And Isaac says, Dad, I, I see the fire and I see the wood, and I see the knife. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham looks at his son with his heart breaking and says, Yahweh Yireh, the Lord will provide the sacrifice, my son. He is El Shaddai, God Almighty, or God Most High, God All-Sufficient. He is Yahweh Tzikenyu, the Lord, my righteousness. In other words, I don't stand before him with a righteousness of my own because I can't, because I don't have any. He is my righteousness. He imputes the righteousness of Christ to me and covers me with Christ so that when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. He sees perfection. He is Yahweh Tzikenyu. 
the Lord my righteousness. Is he Yahweh, Sekenyu, for you, your righteousness? Do you come to God and say, I've been a pretty good person, God, you ought to accept me based on that? Then if not, then you break the commandment when you take his name upon your lips. He is Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. He is Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. He is Yahweh Shalom, the Lord who is peace. He is Yahweh Shammah, the Lord who is there. He is Yahweh Rophe, the Lord that healeth thee. Could I stand there enjoying a conversation as the name of my beloved God who has saved me and healed me and cleansed me of my sin is abused and laugh or say nothing? Yes. Yes, I could. Could I sit in a movie theater and hear the name of the Holy One of Israel blasphemed and not run out with my fingers in my ears? Yes. Yes, I could. Could I bear to hear the name of my king used as a joke or a curse, or a byword. Yes. He who was crucified for my sin, invoked simply to make a point, yes. Because I do not mean what I say when I pray, hallowed be thy name. You know, if someone mocked or abused the name of my wife whom I love, I would be very tempted to tear their heads off. And every man in here would do the same. But I laugh sometimes when the name of my Savior is abused. Or I stand by like it's no big deal. Or worse yet, I do it myself. Because I do not take the third commandment seriously. And I do not believe what God says when he says that he will not hold him guiltless who abuses his name. You see, folks, we have shrunk God. We have made him nice and manageable. We have made sure that the God who we think exists and the one that we show up to worship sometimes, we have made sure that he is as much like us as possible. And he has said in his word, you thought I was altogether like you, and you were wrong. You see, we've made God our servant instead of understanding ourselves to be his servants. And the way we think about his name and use his name and the things that speak of him are evidence of that. Well, what does this commandment require of us? Well, it's very simple. That God's name and his word and his sacraments and his titles and his attributes, and his ordinances, or his commandments, are to all be used in an appropriate, reverent, and holy manner. In other words, we will treat the name of the Lord and the vehicles by which he has made himself known, like the scriptures, like the sacraments, as holy things. We will take them seriously. You say, okay, that, that doesn't clear it up much, Brian. How do I, how do, I do that? What should I do, and more importantly, what should I not do? Well, how about, here's some things we should not do. To speak in a slight or an irreverent way about God, or to use his name in a slight or irreverent way, is to violate the third commandment. 
So any joke you're tempted to tell where Jesus and God the Father are the, are the primary actors, don't do it. Just don't do it. If we say, oh, I swear to God, or God is my witness, this thing really happened, in order to emphasize the truthfulness of what we are saying, this violates the third commandment. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, my people are always to be marked by plain and honest speech. We don't use duplicity to try and trick people into doing things we want them to do. And to take the name of God to sort of emphasize, oh, I'm being really truthful this time. Well, no, you're misusing the name of God. To use God's name when you hit your thumb with a hammer or when someone cuts you off in traffic, or when you are expressing surprise, violates the third commandment. To profess God's name, to take the, the title of Christian, and then to nullify that claim, I am one who follows and belongs to Christ, to nullify that claim by the way that you live your life is to violate the third commandment. It's better that you don't take the title of Christian at all than that you take it and then prove it to be a lie by your conduct and your speech. To worship God with your lips when your heart is far from him is to violate the third commandment. To sing the hymns and the songs that we sing that make statements about your soul and about your priorities, but have it not be true is to take his name in vain. So don't sing, I surrender all, unless you intend to surrender all. Don't sing, take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee, when what you really mean is take my wife and let her be Lord consecrated to thee, or somebody else, or don't take my life at all, I'm too busy. To let your mind wander during the prayers and not actually participate, and then to go amen, so be it, is to violate the third commandment. To repeat the Lord's Prayer with your lips but not mean it in your heart is to take his name in vain. To sleep through my pastoral prayer instead of actually assenting in your heart to what I pray and adding your own voice and your own will and your own attention to it and saying, yes, Lord, we all come together in covenant. Please bring that about is to violate the third commandment. To quote the word of God when it suits you and ignore it the rest of the time is to violate the third commandment. Uh, in, not too many years ago in New Mexico, there was a homeless ministry, and they wouldn't take um, self-avowed, out, and open practicing homosexuals, and this became uh, an object of controversy in the gay community, and so there was a drag queen club there in town, and they held a fundraiser, and they raised thousands of dollars by performing as drag queens, and then they tried to donate that money just to embarrass the homeless ministry because they were sure that the homeless ministry was going to take that money and then they could charge them with hypocrisy you don't want our volunteers but you'll take our money and the homeless ministry said no we're not going to take that money i'm sorry we don't want it and the head drag queen came out in the news media because of course this is all covered by the news media and of course it, they're more concerned about the drag queen than they are about the homeless ministry. The head drag queen said, judge not lest you be judged. That's an abuse of the scriptures. That's an abuse of the name of God. 
If this is true, and it is, then the worship of every church that doesn't believe the Bible and the preaching of every pastor who doesn't believe the Bible and quotes it to his or her own ends is actually an hour of coordinated blasphemy. And that's one of the reasons why I had to leave the liberal mainline Presbyterian Church USA all those years ago. I said, I, I can't be here. I can't be united to these people in this way, expressing my assent to something I do not assent to and is contrary to the scriptures. I have to go. To misapply the word of God, by which God makes himself and his name known, is to violate the third commandment. To claim the name of God as my God, as sovereign over my circumstances, and then to grumble about my circumstances, to complain about where he has brought me and what he is doing in my life, or to grumble against those that he has raised up to lead me, is to violate the third commandment. In the book of Exodus, in chapter 17, God gives us some interesting information about this. In Exodus chapter 17, 1 through 7, we have this famous story of the controversy of God with the children of Israel. And this one even got Moses in trouble. Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Now remember, at this stage, the people of God are being led by who? Not Moses, by God himself. Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. And God brings them to Rephidim. But there's no water to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and, and our children and our livestock with thirst? So in other words, this God, first of all, they're, they're blaming Moses. Not, and they're saying, hey, this God who Moses, you've apparently been talking to, he didn't, he didn't bring us out of Egypt to do us good. He brought us out of Egypt to kill us here with thirst. Not just us, but our kids and even our livestock. And so Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. And before I will stand before you there at the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders. And he called the name of that place Massah and Meribah, which means strife or arguing, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel. And because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? To do something like this is to take the third commandment, or to violate the third commandment. To swear a vow and to say, I will do this, God as my witness. And there's nothing wrong with swearing certain oaths and vows. There's, are there some Christians who think that Jesus prohibited that in the Sermon on the Mount? He didn't. He was prohibiting the misuse of that. 
and in particular in the way that the Jews were doing it at their time, and we have our own ways of doing exactly the same thing. It's called a legal contract where the fine print is illegible and not understandable. But to swear a vow and say, I will do such and such. I will perform my duties to so and so. And then not to do it. And not to even think about it and go, you know what, I just, I just messed up. I, I should have done something differently. I should have been more careful to keep my commitments. To swear a vow and not keep your vow is to take the name of the Lord in vain. And God says, here's the person that I really love and esteem. The one who swears a vow and keeps it even when it harms them to keep it. Even when he swears to his own hurt, says the psalmist. The person I love is the one who says, I'm going to keep that vow, even if it's hurting me, because I made a commitment to God. Which means one of the things we need to be careful about is taking vows at all. Because it can be an occasion of great sin. Well, why is the third commandment such a big deal? I mean, we used to say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me, right? Well, that's not right. Why should I take this commandment seriously? Why should I worry about it? Who gets hurt when I let out the curse word or when I'm sloppy in my worship? Why is this such a big deal? Because God says so. Who gets hurt when I play fast and loose with his name? Well, according to the third commandment, I do. I will certainly not escape any earthly punishment for this sin except by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and one day I will have to face the Holy One of Israel and Jesus says on that day I will have to give an account for every idle word I have spoken and my only hope is to flee to the throne of grace to plead the blood of Christ and to beg the Lord's forgiveness and that's true of you too. Because it is a big deal, this third commandment. It's a big deal because God says it's a big deal. And he's the, get, he's the one who gets to say what's a big deal and what isn't. And to disbelieve that, to disagree with that, to scoff at that, to make light of that, is itself a violation of the third commandment. It's hard to hear, isn't it? It's a tall order even for a converted person. I don't measure up, and I know that. But I want to leave you with a word of grace. Though the saint of God may fall far short of this in his or her obedience, all that we do is filtered through the nail-scarred hands of him who constantly makes intercession for us before the throne of God. And his grace covers all of our failures and even our partial successes. And he has pledged to present us as faultless before the throne of God. And one day we will be able to keep his commands perfectly. One day we will hallow his name perfectly. But what we're after is that God himself will be cherished and held up as worthy of all honor, all glory, all love, all service. That's what we're after. And that's what it means to hallow his name. 
I don't know about you, but I look forward to that day with great anticipation. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.